The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Angels, we all have them. They're our unseen guides, our companions, our teachers, and they're all around us. Sometimes... They make themselves known in the most miraculous ways. Join Angel Communicator, Reiki Master, and QHHT hypnotherapist Christy Clemens Hoffman for stories from real people who have experienced real life angel encounters. Welcome back to our next encounter in the Real Life Angel Encounters podcast. Today I'm joined by Killian, who is a return caller. You may remember her from Encounter 14 to talk about a couple of driving incidents and when an angel or angels came in and helped her out. Well, today Killian's got some stories about crimes and the angels that were around her to help her out. Welcome back, Killian. Hi, Christy. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm so happy to. Yeah, so you had some some crimes that happened. I'm sorry about that. That's tough. <laughs> you know, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially when you live in L.A. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, so Oh, yeah, that's just kind of part of life there, isn't it? It is. Unfortunately. Yeah, well, what happened? Well, um, this was back in the early 80s um, when I lived in L.A. And I worked at a fast food restaurant. Um, I'll just call it Jib, (laughs) (laughs) J-I-B. Sounds good. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it was... um, it was situated on a corner um, in South Central LA, and I used to I, I used to go into work, and I could I would walk into the building, and I could feel signatures. I, that's all I could describe. And um, you could feel signatures. Signatures. People leave energy and certain energies ah. um, I can detect their their presence still it's like yeah um 
you're writing something and it's it's still there you know their smudge is still there so yeah i just never heard of that term in that way okay that's the only way i can describe it is that they just left yeah um yeah like yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah so i i gone in and i I would ask if they had just gotten robbed and um, guys would say, yeah, we, we did. How did you know? And I told them, well, I could feel it. I just feel their presence. They're still here. And so um, there were a couple of times when I was working, I was behind the counter and I remember um, actually, I'll tell you one particular time when I wasn't working. So a week before um, this one incident, I was at a person's home and I happened to mention that um, this was one of those times when this restaurant had gotten robbed and I walked in um, and off duty and I asked them what happened because I felt it. And I went back to this, this person's home and I told them that, you know, next restaurant gets robbed. Um, somebody's going to get shot and it's going to happen soon. So a week passed and I went to go pick up my paycheck. So I took the, the lady of the house. I took her two little girls with me. They were like seven and I think. And we went to this restaurant and the girls, um, kind of got away from me they went to the side um, where the booths are and I walked up to the counter and I'm standing there at the counter talking to my friend and suddenly I, I felt this urge to turn around and look at the the window um, that faced the street and I saw a group of people you know walking down the um, sidewalk and coming to the restaurant and it was actually right around noon it was uh, around lunchtime and I felt myself turn around and tell my friend, um, I said, you guys are about to get robbed in a minute. And I distinctly remember saying this. And then I thought, well, heck did I just say? <laughs> just like that. Yeah. And I, oh my gosh. And I didn't say it that loudly, but it was enough for her to hear it. And I found out later who else heard it. But um, I told her that. And then we stood there for a minute, a little awkwardly. This group came in and there was a man who stepped up to the counter. I'm standing, and I don't know if you can picture this, but there were two registers. I'm standing in front of the register, I think on the right, um, if you're facing the counter. Yeah. This person comes in and he stands to my left. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, he whips out this gun, this six shooter pistol. And he says, this is a stick up. And um, my heart felt, but I I just, I didn't know what, I stood there. And I I remember watching him point the gun at the, the, my friend. And he told her this was a stick up. He wants all the money. He wanted all the money in the uh, register. She Handed that over. He pointed the gun at the manager who was running the drive through. And the manager said um, that he didn't have anything in the register. It was empty. 
And I wonder, well, how the heck did that happen? The, the man holding the gun, the robber, uh, turned around, and I watched him face me, and he looked at me as though, like he was really trying to see something, and all I could hear in my head was, don't breathe, don't talk, don't breathe, keep still. And I was kept still. I couldn't move. And I realized that this person couldn't see me. He was looking at me dead in my face and he turned his head like he was trying to see, but he couldn't see whatever it was. And he didn't say a word to me, but then turned around and proceeded to rob everybody in that store. I watched him walk, walk over to the people five feet from me and he had a bag and he collected goods. He walked around to the side of the restaurant and collected from other people. Meanwhile, standing there and I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple minutes pass and the man comes back around um, to the front door near that window. And there was a boy about 14 Mm-hmm. Um, was standing about five feet in back of me. Wow. Um, and I, I remember watching this kid. He had a bag. He had just gotten his order, and he thought he was going to make it out the door. Mm-hmm. And um, But the, the robber saw him, and he told him to get up and put his bag up on the counter, on the trash, and the kid did. Sure. And then without saying a word, the robber turned around to walk away, but spontaneously turned back around and shot the kid. <gasps> he dropped right in front of me. No. And yeah. yeah. And um, and I, I remember, I, I, I know I was protected. Um, and... It, the kid was literally about four or five feet from me. Had he not been there, had he moved, I would have been that person to get shot. Oh my gosh. Was the but, kid okay? Uh, was the person who got shot okay? He he was, I guess, eventually. And I didn't, I actually, I was made to walk right past him. The girls, I, I remember the girls were with me. And um, they came out. Someone hid them. Um, wow. Someone side of the the, the, the restaurant. Um, I guess there was a couple there, and they heard the commotion going on, and they tucked the girls underneath the booth. Yeah. Where they were heading. so. Uh, but anyway, the the man left. He walked out of the store, uh, the restaurant, and walked down the street, and. So I left. I took the girls and left. And then I was called back about an hour later and went in. Um, I got to the restaurant and I opened the door and I could hear everyone. Thing. Um, and the first thing I said was I didn't do it. Um, I was just told um, and it happened. Oh. But this happened. Um, oh, and the kid, he uh, I found out that he was shot in the knee, which ruined his basketball career. He was actually like a junior basketball Oh, no. So he was a, you know, fairly up-and-coming basketball player. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that killed it. So, oh, that's too bad. Wow, but, but you heard the voice in your head telling you exactly yeah. what to do. Yeah, and then it. it <laughs> I I know it was my guardian angel again, and he was who said it because I I'm standing there watching myself hearing myself tell this girl that they were about to get robbed. And then I thought, why did I say that? Why did I just say that? But I was told not to question it, just wait. And sure enough, literally about a minute or two later, it happened. Oh my God. It pays to be prepared. You know, just that split second, you can just kind of steal yourself and kind of organize your energy and find a place to hide if possible or get out if you can. Well, what's really bizarre, what what blows me away is the fact that um, I I still remember this guy's face looking my direction and he, he looked as though he didn't see me. And... I was made to realize that I was being blocked. He literally, I was standing two feet from this guy and he couldn't see me. He never approached me. I'm the only one in that store he didn't approach. Yeah. The only um, other than my girls. Yeah. And, but also, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say who by extension were with you. Yeah. Yeah. And your energy protected them. It's just yeah. what it sounds like. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. Also, I found out later that um, when he approached, when he asked the manager or demanded the money from the uh, manager, um, I had wondered why the manager didn't have money in his his uh, till, and he told me that he overheard me saying this, and he didn't question it, but he took the money out of the the till and buried it in the ice bin. For the dry Um, Wow. Then, even more than that, the guy behind the grill, who's about, I would say, 15 feet from the register, um, apparently he heard me, which which really shocks me because I didn't say it loudly, but apparently he heard me, and he pressed a button under the grill that alerted police. I didn't know that even existed until then. Right. Um, so I found out that he he actually heard me. He didn't question it either. And he flipped an alarm. Um, yeah, and that was pretty amazing. But just being protected and... and Wow. You know what I love about this story, Killian, is that it's like nobody even questioned it. Nobody said, what? What'd that lady say? What people? Where are they? Where are you at? What are you doing? What's going on? You know, nobody questioned it. They just mobilized. Lady says, we're going to be robbed. Let's get the cash, put it in the ice. You push the button. I mean, it's like, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that blows me away. I still think about that. Um, Kidding. There was another robbery when I was working. Um, Oh, no. Someone walked in and, (laughs) and I told the manager, I had a really bad feeling about this one. And I said, Charles, we're about to get robbed. We're going to get robbed. And he blew me off. He says, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was this before or after that other incident? Um, be- I believe before. Um, it was before. 
And this is the same location. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Location. yeah, it was before. Yeah. Um, and I, we're going to get robbed. And he, he didn't listen. Um, sure enough, this guy comes in with this, uh, written, this scribbled note and lays it on the counter and says, you're being robbed. Great. Wow. But we were protected in that one, too. It was amazing. Yeah, how um, were you protected that time? Um, I wasn't approached again. Um, after after I, I told the manager and the guy put the note on the counter, I stepped back and I, I think I was put in that little bubble again because I, I had nothing else to my memory occurred me after that i i don't remember anything else um but i wasn't approached the guy didn't look at me <laughs> it's almost like these are not the droids you're looking for <laughs> you know that they just didn't see you energetically that's not of terms but yeah that, that could be i'm sorry you're kind of cutting out what was that I, I never thought of it in those terms, in that term, but that could. Yeah. It's just that, you know, from Star Wars, you know, the bad guys are coming along looking for these droids. And then the I, I'm going to butcher it. So I'm not even going to go much further. But that's a famous <laughs> line from Star Wars is one of the Jedi masters. I think it was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Somebody's going to send me email. I know it. And tell me I'm wrong, but says to these um, stormtroopers, these are not the droids you're looking for. And then they look at each other and go, these are not the droids we're looking for. And then there's a Jedi mind trick. Anyway, all of that to say that it seems like, you know, yeah, you were cloaked and shielded and Jedi mind tricked out of being seen by this, these yeah. robbers. That's wow. It always amazed me because I, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful, but it's just amazing um, because you can, you can protect it by your angels standing next to you know a bad person. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's especially when you need it, when you're standing next to someone who has a gun and ill intent and ill will. That's precisely when you'd want to have your angels around. Yeah, and your your guardian angel, you, I think his name was Robert. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Robert. Robert is working overtime. Oh uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> wow. um, but yeah, we had several robberies there where I was alerted to beforehand or if I walked in I was alerted afterwards and um matter of fact one of those times they sent me home because I walked in to go work and I I realized we had gotten robbed and asked about it and um and I wasn't I, I didn't have to stay <laughs> so because they had some thing clean up to do so yeah that's crazy. Um, wow. Now, you had another story about parking lot prayers or parking space prayers. I was intrigued. What is that about? 
You know, um, when I'm looking for a parking spot in a really tough place, a crowded place, uh, I learned back in 1993 uh, that if I bequest, <laughs> if I pray about finding a parking spot, I was going to college and I was the hardest time finding parking. And I didn't realize who he was at the time, um, but I heard in my head, pray about it. Just pray and we'll, we'll find you a parking spot, but you have to trust us. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm in a rush, but I'm going to do this. And I did it. And I, I, I had to do it with that, that faith. And lo and behold, like two minutes later, a parking spot just opened up and I thought, Oh, this is pretty cool. I'm going to try this again. So I asked my, my angels for a parking spot the next time I had to find one sure. and work. And ever since then, literally on the dime, every time I ask for a, um, a parking spot, it, it opens up. It ha- actually happened yesterday. Uh, and I drive, now I drive a, a math rig, which is hard to park anyway. Oh, sure. Wow. So what is your prayer that you use for parking spaces? Um, I basically ask them to guide me to a spot and I will listen to them uh, wherever they guide me. And sometimes it's kind of through a maze, but Mm -hmm. I literally hear them say, just be patient. You're going to find it. Go this way, go that way. Um, and I'm thinking almost doesn't seem likely a couple of times I've thought that, but then I follow it and he, he, guide me to that spot it it opens wide up um but i just ask for guidance um please guide me to a parking spot please find, you know help find one that's open and then it opens and it opens oh yeah fantastic literally 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 so killing you said you had uh, another couple of stories to tell yeah. Um, one, um, I, when I was three years ago, when I was in the hospital, um, it was actually after my NDE yeah. and hospitalized for that. Um, one of the medical staff came into the room and for some reason, kept seeing purple um every time they walked in it was purple the color purple them um, at one point i mentioned it uh to her and i said you know you have to forgive me but i keep seeing purple and and there's this person behind it um you know anything about it and she got on a knee and um, next to my bed, and she says, "Yeah, actually, I have a friend, or had a friend, who uh, died, and he loved purple." Oh my gosh! Well, he's here. <laughs> oh my gosh! And um, and he wants you to know that he's okay. And she 
she actually verified because at first I thought I was kind of going a little nuts. And I felt awkward telling her, okay, I see purple. There's this dead guy here. <laughs> but um, but she actually confirmed it. She says, you know, my friend um passed away and I, I can't remember the timing, but it was in a car accident. Mm. And she felt it was her fault. Oh. And so that was weighing pretty heavily on her. And apparently he, you know, he, and I told her, well, uh, he, he says he's okay. And it wasn't your fault. And um, she, she told me about him and and I don't want to give too many details about him, but she said that she, that his favorite color was purple Mm -hmm. and he was buried in it. Uh, but I, I gave her a couple of messages for from him, and um, and it it gave her a lot of comfort and a lot of clarity. Um, yeah, it does. When we know that love never dies, when we know that our loved ones do want to communicate with us, and overall that they are okay and they don't hold on to grudges or hurt or you know ill will then it is comforting it gives us a lot of just relief I'm so glad that you could deliver those messages yes you know if it helps someone um find comfort and and some closure then So yeah, I did have another um, pretty substantial uh, incident where wow. uh, here actually exactly this uh, it was actually exactly a year twenty four years ago. Wow, this week! Oh my gosh, today! What we're recording this. February 20th. I'm not sure when it will appear, but wow. My daughter was five and a half, six weeks old. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is this is actually the 24th anniversary. So um, I had um, given birth to my daughter. And um, after the, the, the birth, you had a choice of going to the hospital for the postpartum check or having the nurse come to your place and, and doing the postpartum check, which I thought was pretty neat. You know, I didn't have that with my son. So right. I, I opted in for the home visit. Sure. Well, um, that appointment time came and felt this really strong presence um, and it told me, I heard, actually, I heard the screaming in my head. Um, don't open the door. Don't let her in. The woman, I saw her start to walk up my walkway to my door. And here was, don't let her in. Don't let her in. Don't let her in. And I thought I was going nuts again. And I'm thinking, why would I not let her in? Um, I'm a little sometimes. <laughs> wow. But um, it was very adamant. Um, not to let her in but she got the door and for a moment I hesitated but she was a nurse and I let her in 
and I had this overwhelming dark feeling for a moment. Oh my gosh. But she sat down um, and took my, my baby and started to examine her. And my, my child is very healthy. She was actually um, very strong for her age at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I was was uh, looking her over and I thought, but um, a postpartum exam. And um, and that's all I'm hearing is that you need to take your baby and, and kick the woman out of your house. And I couldn't do it. I just, you know, that. Oh, that, I know exactly what you mean. It's like, that makes no sense. This woman is a, is a healthcare person. We made an appointment. She's supposed to be in my house. And you just kind of, it's easy to dismiss these things. And I realized this is not a postpartum exam she's doing. This is an abuse check. And the reason for her to do this, and um, I, I finally got her to, to leave. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much time passed afterwards. Um, things got a little blurry because it became traumatic. But shortly later, there was a knock at my door. And I opened it. <laughs> And there was um, a CSD worker and two police officers. Mm. And I, I tried not to let them in because I, I, I knew then something was terribly wrong, of course. And, um, but they actually ended up breaking in. The, the male cop no. broke open my door and literally snatched my daughter off me. I was breastfeeding her at the time. Um, no one listened to anything. I was accused of something that I never, ever, ever did. Um, for reasons why she, well, no reason why she did it, but there was a reason why. Um, and the they proceeded to, they took my daughter and the male cop, <clears throat> male police officer, um, abused me on my bed but he also he his female partner stood by my bedroom door and she couldn't do anything um but he was about he was over six foot tall and I'm five one um and he had a knee in my neck he put me down my bed and he had a knee in my neck Mm. (laughs) um and this is this is where my angel appeared again. Uh, I couldn't breathe, and I was to tell him I couldn't breathe. I also had a spinal injury from the air force previously, so I had a bad back. Um, yeah. No questions or anything. Um, but at the moment, I I felt I felt this force like jerked this guy off me. I mean, snatched him off me. And I remember for a second realizing, you know, he, cause he didn't pull himself off. He was literally snatched off. I could, I could see it. And I thought I had a moment to, to realize, oh my gosh, he, you know, what happened? You know, my, there was an angel there. Something pulled him off. Yeah. 
But after that, I didn't have time to really process it because he grabbed me and threw handcuffs on me and threw me outside and then continued his abuse. But um, even though there was a horrific incident, I was still being protected throughout the, the entire deal, uh, massively, actually. Um, after back to the police car, after I was put into the police car, the, the female cop got in and she turned around and apologized for her partner's behavior and explained that there was nothing she could do. Um, her hands were tied. Oh, my goodness. Again, protected. And you were given the heads up. I, you know, I don't know if there's anything that you could have done differently. Even if you didn't let this woman in your house initially, they would have probably come back with some sort of order or something. But enough time for you to ask a few more questions. Wow. Um, yeah, this is very poignant. It's clear from, you know, the stories that you've told in this episode, as well as the ones that you've told in, in Encounters 14, uh, in Real Life Angel Encounters, that you're definitely spared for something. Your angels have been working overtime and have saved you for something important to do. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but they were with me throughout that whole incident because uh, I was able to fight and, and get her back. And it actually changed um, it changed some of that structure. Um, I realized that I was supposed to go through that in order to change that organization. Um, I found out sometime afterwards that they had actually changed their name because of my, my, um, they tried to change their image. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, uh, that is something very good that came out of it. Well, sort of, yes. Um, yeah. They see what they do, but. Um, but at least there was, um, it wasn't in, you know, some sort of anonymity or it wasn't um, just swept under the rug. I mean, someone took it seriously enough to at least begin the process of trying to change the image. Now, there's probably a lot more work to go. There's a lot more to do there. But, you know, it could have turned out with nothing happened at all. Oh, yeah. It's been horrible. But um, I was actually guided and, and um, that entire incident because I, I was... The CSD worker uh, actually on behalf afterwards. She actually got into court and switched sides. Um, wow! Yeah. But yeah, she was she was protected too because they I found out afterwards they didn't treat her too well. But. Right. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that at all. You know, our angels can come in and move mountains. Sometimes we're just the 
the person standing by, the observer, if you will, or the catalyst might be a better way to put it, moving mountains and creating miracles through you, through a terrible experience, and, you know, even just by little by little, moving those mountains um, on your behalf. You just happen to be the one that was most affected, but serving that in that very large purpose. A lot of good out of it, though, too. A lot of yeah, out of it. Yeah, a lot of positivity. That's yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, is that when I got my daughter back too? So that's the biggest thing. <laughs> well, I assumed. Okay, so let's talk. Let's go into that. How did you get your daughter back? Um, well, the, the caseworker, um, she, my daughter was actually taken twice. Mm. The first time the caseworker after about two weeks realized that I was telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, and so started to switch sides and she, she bent some rules, um, on my behalf that had never been done before. Wow. Uh, yeah. A lot of rules got broken and bent um, on my behalf throughout this whole incident. So a lot of things changed. Yeah. Um, for the first time, she was able to let foster parents meet the the parent, you know, that um, the child was taken from. And I got to meet them. Um, and they served me. They were actually a doctor and nurse team couple. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so they were taking good care of my daughter, and um, they were actually really good people. Um, that could have been a lot worse. That um, could have been bad, yeah. I was a foster parent myself. And oh. Yeah, it, it's not easy at all, but I'm glad you got some good ones. Um, a few things happen in that. It's a, it's a whirlwind trying to think of it all, but... Um, I just, I fought and got her back. Um, the caseworker uh, brought her back to me after a couple more weeks. They, uh, she made, she made it so that the, she was able to bring her back. However, um, oh, it was for Easter. I needed to have her, I begged to have her for Easter. Mm-hmm. And so they arranged to do that. Um, a lady in our, our church at the time made dress for my daughter to be blessed in overnight um, and so that Sunday we were able to do that um, I had her for I don't know I think a few days to a week and the caseworker called me back and she says I'm so sorry I am so terribly sorry but we have to come and get Kirsten again oh no and my heart fell and I asked her why. And she said, you know, it's not even your fault. You didn't do anything, but they're using you as an example um, for another case they messed up on. And a child oh. died um, not far from where I lived and they ignored it. But because I was an easy target and my case, my entire case was fabricated. It was easy for them to, to build upon. Oh. Um, ordered her to steal my daughter back and she called me though and warned me ahead of time and, and give her up 
but they really took care of her and um, after some time they brought her back and I honestly couldn't even remember the time a lot of that um Yeah, that's, it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, there's, I'm glad there's a foster system for parents like, um, you know, the little guy that I was taking care of. His mom was not in good shape and foster care turned out to be a blessing for him. And he eventually went to um, be adopted by his uncle and his aunt. And it was a good situation that he, that he went to. But, you know, I'm glad a system exists to protect children who are in a bad situation. But I do feel like there are too many families that are broken up for the type of things that you're talking about. Misunderstandings. Um, What's that? No reason at all. No reason at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No reason. happens way too often. Yeah, I found out later that the nurse who instigated it um, just decided she wanted to to do it. Um, And I fell under a certain bill that had been written written back in 1994. And um, it made me an easy target. So, well, that's tragic. I'm glad that you were able to get your daughter back finally and to go on to have some amazing, affirming encounters. Just don't ignore those warnings, those voices in your head because they're real. (laughs) Yeah, don't ignore them. Right. Well, Killian, thank you so much for joining me again and sharing your stories. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me and um, you know if we can help other people um, understand their angel encounters yeah. Uh, the more yeah yeah that's my wish that's my wish a special thank you to James Wheeler for the original music and Cassandra Harold for the voiceovers Please subscribe and follow wherever you're listening now. And be sure to tell your friends. The more people know about this podcast, the more great story submissions we get. Submit your own real-life angel encounters to angelencounterspodcast at gmail.com. Want to know what your angels and loved ones have to tell you? Schedule an appointment with Christy at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.